it's my privilege to share with you a message today that's been in my heart for a while. So I want to I just check how many cricket supporters do we have in the house today? Or anybody who at least understands the game. Okay, let's put it that way. Okay. How many of you don't know what cricket is all about? Not at all. Okay. You need to stay with me this morning, okay? You need to stay with me. It's much simpler than rugby. In my opinion, rugby rules change all the time. I mean, the, the, even the commentators don't always know where there's been given a penalty. So I don't know what's going on with rugby. I know a few rules, which is enough. Cricket is stable. It stays the same. It's consistent. You know, my dad, my dad's a very passionate cricketer. He played until in his 50s. And now he's currently um, standing as an umpire in the sun for how many days a year for the South Coast Garden Route schools and clubs like George Mossel Bay. It's just, I mean, he do this for the love of it, standing in the sun and <laughs> umpiring all these schools. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to see his passion, you know, when we play against Australia and it's in the middle of the night and he must get up at like whatever time, three o'clock, four o'clock. He just always tells me, it's my duty. Sonica, it's my duty. <laughs> I have to get up. So I watched with him a lot when, when I was at school. So I was also quite a very passionate cricket supporter. And nowadays I have many other things to do. So cricket is, is less of a priority for me. But um, I was so much into cricket at school, I thought it must be the best thing in the world to be married to a South African cricketer until I realized how often they're away from home. So I'm so thankful. So thankful God didn't give me that. I want to show you a, I want to show you a photo of the, um, the grade two boys. This is my son is there in the, in the middle. Michal is next to him, his best friend, and there's the, that was their first match this year. It's not, the, it's not the team they rotate at this stage, so everyone gets a turn, but that was their first match, and the next photo is last year. That was Vian's very first match in grade one. Look at that. Look at that. Huh? that I tell you, not that, not that it's my dream for him to be a South African prettier cricketer, but... I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how, how something that becomes your passion or is your passion, it just feels so effortless. Eh? To, if, if whatever your passion is, it feels so effortless to do it, to read up on it, to watch it. it, it just, it's just your passion. And, you know, I, maybe you think, oh my goodness, what on earth is Sonika up with this morning? What is this cricket? And church, you know, is there any, any relation? But I really think cricket or Christianity is very much like cricket. I'll explain it to you now. You get, okay, for those of you who don't know cricket, you need to stay with me, okay? You, you, you get a, um, a game, which, which they call the T20. There's only 20 overs. Every team gets 20 overs. There's six balls in an over. And you make as many runs as you can, okay? You just hit and run, and you just go crazy. It's a bit of a circus, I think, sometimes. You know, the crowd goes crazy, but people love it. People love it, and I think often that, you know, represents the exciting times of our Christian walk. I'll explain it to you now. But then you get the five-day tests. 
So how many of you are into five-day test matches, cricket matches? Only a few, I thought so. (laughs) I thought so. You know, I um, when I started watching cricket with my dad, I was like, what on earth is this all about? (laughs) Standing in the sun for five days and then there's no winner. Often there's no winner. I mean, really, it doesn't make sense. But I, what I learned is to really appreciate the perseverance and the stamina and the, just how much it takes to win a five-day test match. If you're a cricketer and talk to any real cricket player, they'll tell you, you know, that, yeah, the limited over games, it's exciting, but the, the real thing is to win a five-day test match. And... In Christianity, okay, let's bring it back to our world, all of our worlds. The, the T20 games where there's lots of runs and there's a six and there's a four and there's the crowd going crazy, it represents the exciting times of our spiritual walk. You know, it's like going on missions like these 10 people are, are going to do now. It's like getting baptized or getting filled with the Holy Spirit or praying for somebody and God does a miracle or you hear God's voice so clearly you just know this is real. For me, that's, you know, that's almost that side of, of cricket where there's, it's, there's something happening and it's awesome and it's exciting. But then you get the five-day test in our Christian walk, you know, where it's hot and the runs come slowly and... And the, those are the times <clears throat> things don't always make sense. You have no idea. You have no idea when you're going to get the next wicket. You, you have no idea how long this day is going to be. You have no idea what the end result's going to be. But those are the times we need to keep on believing. We need to keep on trusting. We need to stick together as a team. You know, we need to, we need to endure. We need to be faithful. You know, it, it, will test, it will test everything. And sometimes people, you know, like I know some of you think, you know, I've heard people saying that cricket is an organized way to waste time. <laughs> I don't know if anyone of you have ever heard that. I was like so offended when I heard that, an organized way to waste time. If you are one of those people, no problem. You're still welcome this morning. <laughs> but it's, it's those times, you know, then... <clears throat> But sometimes people who don't understand Christianity, that they will ask you, but how can you still follow God if you are sick? How can you still follow God if this and this and this happens? How can you still trust in Him? And this is equivalent to those five days of persevering and standing and trusting and uniting as a team and not losing focus. You know, there's that one moment. It's always, for me, so... For those of you who watch five-day tests, you will understand that three of you. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how it's, there's that one moment. There's that one really good ball that the bowler, that yorker, you know, that he bowls. And there's, a, and there's that moment when you get a wicket, but it's after like two hours in the sun. But if you didn't focus that very moment you would not have got your wicket. You would have not celebrated that moment. But you had to endure. You cannot walk off the, off the field and say, I've had enough. You know, this is crazy. You know, who on earth thought about a 5 to test match? I mean, this is really stupid. 
It's those times when we need to endure. We have to stand together and we have to stick. You know, and I, I really believe if we have to, if we have want to run this race of Christianity properly, we need to be fit to play both of these kind of games. We, we have to be ready to hit a six. We have to be ready to, to run, you know, and to, and, to, and to do in 20 overs as much as we could. But we also need to be able to endure when it's hot, when the runs come slowly, and you, when you don't get that man out. You know, you have to be able to endure. So I want to I wanna show you one scripture, Matthew 10, verse 22. That says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. I think most of you are familiar with this one, but how often do we think about this? What is the end? What is the end? Because he who endures to the end will be saved. The end, nobody knows. Jesus even himself said, only the Father knows. Only the Father knows that date, that moment, that time. However, if only you endures to the end will be saved, we have to be ready for that moment. Amen? We have to be ready for the end. Whenever that's going to be, we have to be ready. So I want to ask you a few questions. Do you think you are fit? Do you think you are really fit to run this race to the end? Do you think you have what it takes? And are you, are you in the midst of a T20 game at the moment where things are exciting and things are happening and you hear God's voice and, you know, you pray for people and things happen? Or you're on, on your way to Argentina on missions? Hey, you're in the midst of a T20 game, I tell you. <laughs> or, or do you experience your life maybe, you know, as a typical five-day test match in cricket where... You really need to stand. You really need to believe. Are you maybe experiencing your Christian walk as, the, as this specific time where you need to believe? Keep on believing. Keep on focusing. Keep on trusting in God, even when there's things in your life that do not make sense. So I want to I take you to another scripture in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. And this is what I want to talk about this morning, endurance. Because this is what we need to, to be saved or to endure till the end. We need this thing called endurance. Okay, it's quite obvious. But I want to, I want to give you a few tools this morning, no matter where you are at in your Christian walk, to endure. Let us run with endurance this race. God has said before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on the champion. Amen? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We run this race. Let us run this race with endurance. So I want to I give you a few ingredients that I believe is necessary to endure until the end, to, to make it. You know, it's, for, for me, it's really hard over the last how many years, we've been in East London for seven years. Before that, Andre's been in the ministry for another like six years, six, seven years. We've seen so many people coming and going. We've seen so many people really, really passionate about God, 
but they're not with us anymore. And they're not following God anymore. It's not about Shofar. It's not about our church. It's about serving Jesus. Amen? And we see, I'm sure you can have, you can write a whole A4 page, if not more, of names, of people that they follow Jesus sometime in their lives, but they're not doing it anymore. You know, and this is why, why what I want to I share with you this morning is so important. It's not about serving Jesus today. It's serving Him tomorrow and the day after. I mean, until the end. Until the end. So the first ingredient that I believe is really important to make it, to go over the finish line, is passion. So I want to give you a definition of passion. It's an outburst of emotion that is strong and barely controllable. An intense enthusiasm about something. So I want to ask you, how passionate are you about Jesus today, this moment? I'm not talking about last week or a year ago. How passionate are you about him today? Do you still have an intense enthusiasm to spend time with him? Do you still have an outburst of emotion that is strong and barely controllable when somebody turns to God? When, when God has a special miracle, do you, do you still have it? Are you still passionate about the Lord? You see, if we do not actively f- feel that flame, that passion, it's going to die. And we need, I really believe, passion is, is such an important ingredient for us to endure until the end. Okay. So I'm going to give you a few pointers. So if you have notebooks or phones or whatever, this is a great opportunity to take a few notes. Because I really want to ask God to highlight a few things for you that is going to feel your passion. Okay, so the first one, which we often forget, is we have to ask God to increase our passion. Often we just want to work and work and strive and try in our own strength. Where God just says, ask. Ask and you will receive. So that is our starting point. We say, God, we lack passion. I don't have an intense enthusiasm. I don't have this, this barely controllable emotion that gets excited about you anymore, God, but I want it. I ask you for it. Okay, so that is our starting point. We have to surround ourselves with passionate people. Do you know passionate people? Surround yourself with them. Make friends and surround yourself with people who are really passionate about God because that will inspire you. All right, so we ask God, and then we we surround ourselves with passionate people. Then we we position ourselves in the right meetings. And I know Andre and I have said this so many times, we'll never stop saying this. There are certain meetings that you can't miss. And I'm preaching to the converted because you're in church this morning. (laughs) Well done for being here. But there are certain meetings where if you miss it, you have missed a moment to, to, to feel your passion tank. Okay, what, what you guys are doing this morning, you're fueling your passion tank. You're at the petrol station, you're fueling up. Fill it up, please. <laughs> fill, fill up my passion tank, you fill it up. But you see, often we tick our boxes. Oh, I, I go to church and I go to a, a live group, small group in the week. And yes, I have done encounter one. Please leave me alone now. 
<laughs> oh, I have to. I mean, going to Ford, did, oh, I've done it like six years ago. My box is dicks. You know what? I, the, the times in my life when I, my passion tank was filled the most was not when I, when I attended something, not when I did Bible school, but when I started teaching at Bible school. And my first session, I was terrified, and I was, it, it was huge for me, you know, in Stellenbosch, in, in the university, one of the university uh, halls, like, it's just all these students looking at you, and now you have to teach them something, and you just have to do it. And you have to be passionate, otherwise they're not going to be passionate. So it, it was not when I did Encounter 4, it was when I facilitated Encounter 4 that my tank was, was filled up. So I want to encourage you, stop looking at church and whatever we, we uh, uh, the, the different seminars or meetings or encounters that, that we do, stop seeing it as my tick box that I have to do and then I can rest. I can relax. It's not about that. It's about growing and, and constantly feeling your passion so that you would be able to endure until the end. Amen? So for those of you who have done Encounter 1, 2, 3, 4, and you've done Bible school, and you've done this and this and this, start facilitating. Start giving. God has freely it's been given to you. Now freely give. Amen? Freely give. Get yourself fresh worship music. Please make a note of that. It is just so amazing to me. You know, we can do Shout to the Lord by, you know, Darlene, Hillsong, Darlene, we all know her. We can do Shout to the Lord still, and it's blessed. There's older songs that will never, ever lose the anointing. But to feel our passion, we need to constantly be exposed to, to fresh worship. Because the Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. And I, I experience that every time when Andre and I come across a new song. I mean, Clinton's going to do this beautiful new song tonight at, at our evening service. So for those of you who want to hear that, you must be there. It is such an anointed song. And he, he said to me, Sonica, I want to do this song. I've been listening to that song the whole week. And it's fueling my passion tank. And yes, we can listen to... You know, our United CD of 99, I don't know, was United there by 99, I don't know. You can listen to your, your, your older music, by all means go for it. But I've just experienced a new, fresh song. It inspires me. So get yourself fresh worship music. Amen? Go to Kum, go to iTunes, spend that money, get yourself fresh music. Go on missions. I don't have to say anything more. Every time people come back from missions, you know, they've hit not only one six, but like a few. You know, they, they've scored many runs in the spirit. And it's really worthwhile to say, oh, God, I know I'm going to do it. I need leave. I need money. I need this and I need that. Or I have small children. I know all of those things. But... Going on missions is feeling your passion tank like, like nothing else. So please put that down on your list. Get involved in a ministry that energizes you. What energizes you? Is it kids ministry? Is it worship? Is it hospitality? What energizes you? What is the thing that energizes you? And what 
are your excuses for not doing that? When, when my son was born, it took me about three years to get back into the worship ministry again, just for practical reasons. And I just realized how much I missed it. I just realized how much that thing that energizes me, not only it, it's a combination of music and worship and harmony and, you know, putting together a song that the band doesn't know and now we need to make it work. Just that it energizes me like not many other things in life. You know, there's other things like, you know, giving. And it, it might sound interesting, but there's a certain part of giving that really energizes me. You know, to, for, a, for a specific person to find out exactly that one gift that's going to bless him or her. You know, it's, I don't know, but it does something to me that then I just understand that scripture that says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, when you make that extra effort, and I know we can't do it all the time and every time, but sometimes, you know, when, when we have a visiting speaker, I always think about their wife being at home, changing nappies, most of them. And the husband is the, you know, the man of power for the hour, and he's preaching, and he's, he, get, he gets all the gifts and the, and the, the blessings. And, you know, we was hung on Silippa, you know, and he's just awesome. And the wife sits at home, and I just started. And it, it really, for me, I haven't done it. Only the last two years we started doing it, sending a gift back for the wife. And we tell the husband, this is for your wife. And just the way in which that blesses them. Because it's not the done thing, hey? Sometimes people do it, but it's not, the, it's not the usual thing. Now, to think about the pastor's wife sitting at home and sending a gift for her. And it just gives me, it, it energizes me just to think about that person and to send a gift to her. So what, what are the things that energizes you? What are those things? And are you doing it? If, you, if you're not doing it, what are the reasons? Why aren't you doing those things that is really energizing you? Because that will fill your tank. So I want you to look at these six, these six things. Ask God to highlight two or three for you. Whether it's gonna, you're getting a fresh worship CD, whether it's, it's getting involved in something that energizes you, whether it's going or signing up for missions for next year already, Whatever it is, say, God, highlight for me. Amen? So passion. Passion is a very, very important part. The, the other ingredient that is really important is faithfulness. It's two very, it's, it's, there's a bit of a contrast, you know. Uh, it's two different worlds sometimes, faithfulness and passion. But I really believe the combination of those two is so extremely important to endure until the end. Faithfulness is to be loyal and steadfast. Loyal means to show firm and constant support or commitment to a person, an institution, or a cause. To be steadfast means to be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Isn't that awesome? You know, it's that person that you can count on no matter what. And it's beautiful. It's Faithfulness is one of the most beautiful things for me of, of you know, these, these nine gifts of the Spirit, there's nine fruits of the Spirit. Faithfulness is a fruit. And it's so beautiful to see that. 
So beautiful. Proverbs 20 verse 6 uh, says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? So there's a lot of good people. There's a lot of goodness around or skills or giftings. But who can find a faithful man? Hebrews 3 verse 1 and 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God, who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Such a beautiful scripture where where it says Jesus was appointed by God and he was faithful. He did it eh, until the end. He endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He was faithful. And I just want to honor all of you. There's many of you who are faithfully serving in this house. And I just want to honor you this morning. And if, if we don't say thank you enough, please forgive us. If we don't honor you enough, if, if we don't value you enough, please forgive us. Just know that it doesn't go unnoticed. Whatever you do, whatever you 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 pour out into this ministry it does not go unnoticed sometimes maybe by people maybe or your your perception of people but god notices all right whatever you do whatever you contribute god notices and i just want to honor you for that amen why is faithfulness so important okay remember we're talking about we have to endure until the end how are we going to get that right We must be passionate, but we must also be faithful. Why? Because there's only a few normal weeks in the year. I know how many of you experience that. There's only a few normal weeks. The rest are crazy. (laughs) With unexpected surprises, you know. And what I've seen is that every strategy for personal growth, every strategy for personal growth, I think that's on the screen, must include wisdom and perseverance, to follow through, to help us to follow through on our customs or our commitments during difficult and busy weeks. Because ultimately, you know, it's not difficult to serve God when things are going well. It's not difficult to follow through on a commitment when you're not tired, when you don't have a lot of work. It's in those busy and difficult weeks that we need a strategy to follow through on that. You see, it's, it's not about serving Jesus yesterday, but it's about serving him today. Amen? It's not about being filled with the Holy Spirit even. It's about being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That is why doing Encounter One and never doing anything else again, it's not going to really benefit you to endure until the end. Because we must continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not about the amazing weekend you had last year at men's camp or the ladies weekend or on missions it's not about it is about that that's where the, comp- the passion component comes in but if it stays there it's not going to be enough you know it's also about the time with god you had this morning that nobody else really knows about but it's also about that it's not only about serving jesus when our prayers get answered but also when our prayers don't get answered it's not about serving God when we're healthy only, but also serving Him when we're sick 
also serving Him when, when we worship on our own, not only when there's an amazing band, but when we worship Him in our own time at home. It's not only coming to church when we feel like it. It's also coming to church when we don't feel like it. And let me tell you, the devil will make you don't feel like it often on a Sunday. And it's, it's not, not only about doing these things when, when, when it's easy. It's about doing it when it's really tough. And now we have a, we have a little hamster. His name is Kolikis. Really cute. We had one. We had one. His name was Krimmels. Uh, Krimmels was our first hamster. It's the only pet that I can handle at this stage in my house. <laughs> uh, so uh, Krimmels died. It was very hard for, for Vian. We had a whole funeral and everything. But now we've got a new one, Kolikis. Now Kolikis starts running on his wheel. I, I, I lie not, you can ask my husband. Like every night around nine-ish, he starts running on that wheel. Criminals never did that. I don't know what was wrong with him, but Kolikis is a whole different species, like different, different hamster. He is unbelievably focused and diligent. I tell you, I've never come, I don't know if all hamsters are like this. Criminals was not like this. Every night, I mean like 2 o'clock in the morning when you wake up or whenever, you often hear him run again. It's like just, they are nocturnal, okay, for those of you who don't know. So they are awake in the night and they sleep, he sleeps the whole day. <laughs> but I'm just so inspired by this little hamster. If he, if he can be faithful, I'm sorry, but if a hamster can be diligent and faithful, hey, we can too. Amen? I'm so inspired by Kolikis, I tell you. Get yourself a hamster. It's going to inspire you to greater heights. Okay, just quickly, how do we increase our level of faithfulness? First of all, we need to value the fruit of faithfulness. You know, often we... We, we compare or we, we think, oh, no, I rather want to prophesy. You know, faithfulness is like, you know, it's like um, at, at university in the first year, it's like faithfulness 101. You know, it's like first year subject. I'm not already, I'm doing my honors, Sonica. I'm like prophesying over people. You know, that faithfulness thing is really not that important. We have to value the fruit of faithfulness. Otherwise, we'll never grow in it. If we don't see it as important, we'll never grow in that. So we have to value it, but we also have to abide in the vine. So in the same way, we're going to ask God for passion. We're not just going to strive and work hard. We're going to ask Him. In the same way, when it comes to faithfulness, remember this is a fruit. Remember that fruit doesn't come by striving. It comes by planting yourself in the soil, getting water and the right, the right food, it, it's not something we need to work for. It's need to, we need to, first of all, just abide in God. Okay, we need to ask God to increase that fruit. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, that's Jesus speaking. You are the branches, that's us. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Much. For without me you can do nothing. And I, I often think we... In, in our generation, we, we really want to work to, to have results. And there's, there's a truth to that, okay? There is a part we need to play. But we make that our starting point instead of just making our starting point abiding in God. And say, Lord, 
I'm really not doing well with this faithfulness fruits. But I need to I need to abide in you, God. You need to you need to give me that that the right amount of water and and food to produce this fruit. And as we abide in God, he helps us to to just to bear more fruit, to bear more fruit of faithfulness. Amen. Accountability. This is our, well, where our part also comes in. Make yourself accountable to a faithful friend. If you're battling with faithfulness, if you're even just battling to wake up in the morning, you know, you're battling to make a meeting on time, you're battling just to follow through on a commitment, get yourself a faithful friend and say, you know what, I'm really battling with these things. Please, please keep me accountable, you know. And, and pick your friend, you know, where you know you're not going to be judged. You're not going to feel condemned. It's just going to be somebody who's going to love you and keep you accountable. So make yourself accountable. Surround yourself with faithful people. It's very interesting. Passionate people often need a faithful friend. Faithful people often need a passionate friend. Do you agree with me? Says, I, I really appreciate my husband's passion. God has given him to me as a gift. Because I, I, le- I learned so much from his passion. I learned so much from his energy. And, you know, we're just not giving up. And we're just not going to stagnate. We're going to grow. We're going to forever grow. You know, I'm often so challenged by my husband's energy. And, you know, just the way that he's, you know, we, we, life is not boring. My life is not boring. But that is what we need. You know, if you tend to be the more, I tend to be the more faithful kind of person who really need a passionate friend. And God has provided me with a, a daily passionate friend who's just fueling my passion tank. But maybe, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you are the passionate person who needs a faithful friend who can teach you how to be faithful. So get yourself a friend and then set yourself attainable and measurable goals we teach this in Bible school in second year. It's part of biblical leadership. But I think most of you would have heard about smart goals. I'm not going to go into that now. That's a whole thing on its own. But often our goals are just so vague. You know? It's, it's fluffy. You can't measure it. Smart stands for specific. Your goal must be specific. It must be measurable. It must be attainable. It must be realistic. And it, you must, there must be a time. There must be a certain time. It can't be like one day. <laughs> there must be a time. So set yourself a goal. And don't set yourself 50 goals. This is, again, passionate people will go for 50 goals. And it's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Where, no, 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 no. Set yourself three goals and follow through on them. Okay. Get one right, and then the next one. Set yourself a few goals. So look at, these li- look at this list. Say, God, okay, where, do I need a friend? Do I need a goal that I'm going to follow through on? Do I need to abide in the vine? God, is my fruit of faithfulness low because I don't abide in the vine? Is that maybe the problem? Just ask God, Holy Spirit, just show us, Lord. Show us. What is the thing that we need to pay attention to? And then just the last ingredient. 
We must be passionate. Remember again, okay? We must endure until the end. Okay? That's very, very important. Because we see so many people falling away. We have to be passionate. We have to be faithful. But there's a third very important one. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I think sometimes this is the one that many, many people battle with. You know, with any sport, let's get back to cricket, okay? Any sport, whatever you're interested in. We all know we have to keep our eyes on the ball, okay? This is what you get taught from grade one. You keep your eyes on the ball, not on your opponent, not on the crowd, not on the scoreboard, on the ball, all right? So in the same way, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have no other choice. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, if if our lives are built on the opinions and behavior of people around us, we're not going to make it. If your life is built, if your foundation is built upon the opinions and, and behavior of people, especially people in high places, because that is sometimes the most difficult. You know, when people in high places do something that shatter our faith, what do we do? What do you do? What do you do when you hear about a divorce of somebody in an important position? What do you do? What do you do when you hear about some kind of scandal or some kind of thing that happened in a church or in a person's life? What do you do? Do you lose your faith? Do you lose your hope? You know, I said to Andre the other day, we heard about a, quite a prominent worship leader now in America that's getting divorced and, you know, I just, I looked at Andre, I said to him, I'm not ever going to be a statistic. I'm not settling for this. I'm not settling to be a statistic. You know, and if you've been through the wars, we love you. There's always, you know, God is a God of a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. He's always going to pick you up. I just said to Andre with all of my heart, I'm not going to lose my hope and my faith because of an important Christian leader who, who made a mistake. Because, let me tell you, people are sincere. Christians are sincere. If, if you know, Andre and I are very much aware of our responsibility towards you, towards God, towards the church, to love one another. We are very much aware of our responsibility. But if in, at any moment, in any time, we make a mistake that disappoint you, that shatter your faith, You cannot lose your hope. You have to endure. You have to endure until the end, no matter what I do, no matter what Andre does, no matter what uh, a really important or um, famous preacher in America does. We cannot lose our faith. It's about serving Jesus when nobody else does. Amen? It's really about that. God has given us everything that we need for this race. He's given us everything that we need. You can do this. I'm not spending eternity without you, okay? I want to see you in heaven. Amen? You can do this. So I just want to encourage you this morning. It's not about only serving Jesus today. It's not about your feet finding the path to church only this morning. Are you going to endure until the end? Do you have a game plan? You can do it. You can do it. You don't have to be another statistic of somebody who has fallen away from God. You can lead by example and say, yes, it's tough. Yes, it's hot. The runs come slowly. And it's a five-day test. 
and it's really hard. But I'm, whether I'm winning or whether I'm losing or whether I'm drawing this game, I will play it with all my heart. Amen? Because God is with us. God is bigger than one five-day test match. He's really bigger than that. He's bigger than your one big obstacle or challenge that you feel is so overwhelming you're not going to make it. God is bigger and He's with you. And you can run this race with endurance because God has given you everything that you need. Amen? We just need to position ourselves in the right way. So, so, am I going to see you in heaven? Oh, no, I need a bit more passion. Am I going to see you in heaven?